What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week seven of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2016-2017 NFL season. And I might have jinxed myself last week because I talked a little bit about like, oh, I've had five pretty successful weeks in a row and geez, will, will week six buck the trend and blah, blah, blah. It kind of did. It kind of did and it kind of didn't. But let's get into how we did last week. Because last week, straight up, another very successful week. 10 and 5, man. Again, double digits. Anytime you can hit double digits picking straight up, you've had a good week. 10 and 5 straight up, 61 up, 31 down on the season. This is one of my best, if not my best, straight up seasons thus far through six weeks since I've started doing this. So we're doing really well with the straight up picks. The betting picks, not so much. It was a down week for both against the spread and over-under. Against the spread, I only went 6, 7, and 2. We had two pushes uh, in week 6, those pushes being uh, Los Angeles, Detroit, and Indianapolis and Houston. So 6, 7, and 2 were 49, 40, and 3 against the spread so far on the season. Over-under, we also struggled 6 and 9 last week. I think that's my second losing over-under week on the season. But we're 51 up, 40 down with one push over-under. So while last week may not have been the best in terms of the results, our overall results on the season, they're still pretty strong. We're still doing good. So it was a bit of, there was a mixed bag in week six. We'll call it that. A mixed bag. There was some up, there was some down. There was also some up and down in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. Arguably my worst week so far on the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. In the bronze pick, I told you to take Houston to beat Indianapolis, that matchup of the AFC South. That worked out. Houston beats Indy 26-23 in overtime. Brock Osweiler leading the comeback there. I thought Indianapolis had that game in the bag. Turns out it didn't work out that way. Brock Osweiler leads the Texans back on the back of a huge game from Lamar Miller. It was an against-the-spread push, as I just mentioned. So that's, I think, our second ATS push within the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks this year. I took Houston minus three. It was a push either way because they won by exactly three points. And it was an over-under loss because I told you to stay under 46 points. But had the game stayed under 46, Houston would not have made that comeback. So, hey, we'll take the over-under loss there. My silver pick. Hey, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. What can you say about them that hasn't already been said? What a performance by those two. Arguably the greatest quarterback, running back, rookie tandem ever. Maybe? Maybe? That's probably a little hyperbolic, but whatever. I told you to take Green Bay to beat Dallas. That didn't work out. Dallas damn near doubles them up. The Cowboys go into Lambeau Field and win that game 30-16. to What a performance for the Cowboys. It wasn't against the spread win because I told you to hedge your bets and take Dallas plus four and a half, so that one worked out for us. And it was an over-under win because I told you to stay under 47 points and they score 46. Gold pick, I told you to take Buffalo to beat San Francisco. Who did that ever work out? 45-16, to 16, the Bills roll in Colin Kaepernick's season debut. Kaepernick really did not look bad at all. He was moving on the ground. He could throw the ball. He did not throw an interception, I believe, in that game. Threw a touchdown pass. So he came in. He did his job. It's not quite as much as, you know, I'm sure 
Niners fans would have hoped him to do. It wasn't against the spread loss because I told you to take San Francisco plus 7.5, but it was an over-under win as I told you to go over 44 points. Buffalo clears that on their own. And the platinum pick, and for the first time this season, we swung and missed on the platinum pick. I told you to take Denver to beat San Diego, and what a win, a signature win for the Chargers, 21-13 to over the Broncos. Huge win for San Diego. It wasn't against the spread loss, because I told you to go Denver minus three, and it was an over-under loss, because I told you to go over 45 and a half points. So in week six, it was only two and two on the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks straight up. I was one, two, and one against the spread, and I was two and two over under, but we, again, losing out the entirety of that platinum pick. Ouch. Taking a look at the Bridgewater's Finest private pick'em pool, the straight-up pool for Season 5 of the show, I still remain in first place out of 28 managers, 508 out of 753 possible confidence points. That's a clip on the season of 67%. We like that. Now, in week six, I brought in 70 out of 120 possible confidence points. I have my percentage wrong there, so I'm just doing some quick math. That's some 58% action. It should be better, but it's good enough. It was good enough for this week. Again, there were some trap games in there. Lost a couple of my highest point totals on the week. So, to scrounge 58% out of it, we'll take it. Shout out to our week six winner, Jay Cutler for MVP. Chicago underscore span. He did it. He won the week 12 and three straight up. That's an excellent record straight up on the week. 99 out of 120 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 83% on the week. So shout out to Steven for winning week six. Again, I remain the overall leader for at least another week. My padding there is about 20 points I think but that was more than the difference between what I scored this week and what the week winner scored this week so that gap can still close within the span of one week so it is definitely still anybody's game taking a look at the against the spread private pick em pool I have now dropped down out of that big log jam that tie for first place it's been a tie or very close within one point or so uh, for the last few weeks. So I finally dropped out of that. I'm tied for second place out of 19 managers in the league. 49 out of 92 possible games I've picked correctly against the spread. That's only a clip of 53%, no longer good enough to hold on to the lead. In week six, I pulled in uh, only six out of the 15 games, picked them correctly because, we, of course, we had those two pushes. That's only 40%. That's not good enough to get it done. Shout out to our week six co-winners rel eagles fly tj Harmon, a fellow nfl youtube prognosticator as well as brady's back holly gordon we've talked about her in multiple episodes at this point they went nine for 15 against the spread last week that includes those two pushes so that's fantastic they were what nine four and two that's pretty damn good that's a 60 percent clip that's excellent and shout out to our new overall leader God damn it if it's not Holly Gordon. Holly Gordon has taken the lead in the against the spread pick and pool. 50 out of 92 games correctly picked against the spread. She's got a one game lead over myself and Half Moon's picks. A two game lead over a couple of other people. So again, 
Still very close, but Holly Gordon can bask in the sunshine today because she's leading that pool. 50 out of 92, it's a 54% clip, slightly over mine. So shout out to Rel Eagles Fly, TJ Harmon, and Brady's back, Holly Gordon, for winning week six, and to Holly Gordon for being our new overall leader. Let's take a quick peek into Fantasy Corner. Across my eight fantasy football teams last week, I went five and three. Second straight week going five and three in week six. We will take that any week of the season. Overall, between my eight teams through six weeks, my teams are 30 and 18. I will definitely take that all day long. 30 and 18 through six weeks. We like that. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, it was a win as projected against Stat Pack Matt Coombs, Matt the NFL Fanatic, last week. That evens my record to 3-3 three and three in that league. I desperately needed that win, so I was happy to walk away from it. Thank you, Matt. In Week 7, I have a matchup against Keith Bailey, Beetle Bailey, who is one of the better teams in the league. Now, it is a projected win for me right now, and a huge reason for that is that Beetle Bailey had his starting quarterback go down, Ben Roethlisberger. So, based on that, I have a projected victory, but it's still a long week before the matchup starts. Shout out to Keith Bailey. Good luck to you this week. Shout out to Matt Coombs. Thank you for Week 6. And that's how it's going right now in the Progs League. It's very tight. There's a big log jam at 3-3 three and three and 2-4. and four. The guys who are rich keep getting richer. It's going to be a real struggle for some of these lower teams to make the playoffs. And I'll take this opportunity as always to remind you that if you're watching the video on YouTube, you can go to the description of the video. You're going to be able to find all of my results from week 6. All of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week seven. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pools, both straight up and against the spread for season five. Get yourself joined up. You can still get shouted out on the show by winning a week. You're also going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, as well as links to other high-quality NFL YouTube prognosticators who get out there and do this every single week. It's been an incredibly successful season so far for the community. We're really stoked about that. If you're listening on SoundCloud or on iTunes, search NFL YouTube prognosticators on Facebook. We talk football all damn week. It's a fun place to be. Join in on it. So now, as it turns out, we got a little bit of work to do against the spread and over-under. Let's get into the Week 7 picks. We're going to start this week across the pond in jolly old England at Twickenham Stadium, southwest of London, where the Los Angeles Rams will be taking on the New York Giants. Now, the Rams are considered the home team in this game. It always seems to be the Rams or the Jags or occasionally the Raiders who seem to be the teams that get sent over to London to play these games. But Rams technically, quote unquote, playing host to the Giants. The Giants and the Rams actually find themselves as disturbingly comparable teams after starting out the season, you know, with the Rams kind of looking like the sweetheart of the NFL. They were 3-1. and one. They were leading the NFC West. Nobody expected that from them. Meanwhile, the Giants kind of struggled to start off the season, but holy crap did the offense ever turn it on last week and get it done. Seems to me that that Eli Manning to Odell Beckham Jr. connection, it seems like that's pretty good. The Rams come into this football game as one of the worst offensive units in in football this season they're not putting up the yards they're not putting up the points and they're not putting up the yards either through the air 
or on the ground. They don't seem to be able to get it done with any level of consistency. The Giants, meanwhile, while they have struggled to run the ball due in no small part to injuries to their running backs and just inconsistent play, they haven't been able to run the ball fairly well, but oh my goodness, they've been able to throw it. 288 yards on average through the air. They are a top three passing offense in football this season, although barely with the, weirdly enough, the Chicago Bears who have been able to throw the ball quite a bit this year. And like Washington, the passing yardage stats in the NFL this year, they just look weird. Speaking of passing, that's what I imagine this game is going to come down to. I don't see either of these teams having much of an ability to run the ball on the other one. If you look at rush yards allowed per game, we're just going to quick uh, organize those for you and take a quick peek here. We're looking at the New York Giants who are only giving up 96 yards on average on the ground per game. You look at Los Angeles, sure, they're giving up a buck 15. But do we even know who's going to be playing running back for the Giants? Is it going to be Orleans Darkwa again? Is Rashad Jennings going to be able to continue to play or get back in there to play? We don't even know who the running back is going to be. This game is going to come down to putting the ball in the air. Now, both of these quarterbacks have a case for saying that they've had a fairly good year. Case Keenum has been put in a really awkward situation. He's got a QBR over 85. Like, very quietly, Case Keenum is doing something. It's not great, but it's something. And he's spreading the ball out to a good receiving core. That receiving core has a lot of depth, a real next man up situation. But he's getting the ball around and he's getting the ball to them in terms of possession numbers. Hasn't exactly translated to a ton of yardage, but it has translated so far in the season to three wins. Meanwhile, again, Eli Manning, he's spreading the ball around too, but his top target is his top target. And a lot of that came last week as Odell Beckham really exploded. But I think this is going to come down to which of these two teams has a better passing offense. That to me is the New York Giants. And that's why I'm going to take the Giants to beat the Rams in London. So I like the Giants straight up. On the line, the Giants are favored by two and a half points uh, in Los Angeles, quote unquote, even though the game is again in London. I've made that mistake earlier this season. Two and a half points, it's not that much to give up. I'm going to tell you to go New York Giants minus two and a half on the line. The total here is 43 and a half points. I'm actually going to tell you to go over. Typically, I would take the under in this game, but if the game is going to come down to a passing game, which I think that is what it's going to come down to, not a lot of time is going to come off the clock. It's going to be a lot of offensive possessions, the potential for a lot of points. 43 and a half is not that big a number, so I'm going to tell you to go over on it. So, Giants win straight up. Giants minus two and a half over 43 and a half points. Let's go to Detroit now where the Lions are facing off with the Washington Redskins. The surprising, do I have to stop making fun of the Redskins? I really don't want to stop making fun of the Redskins, but they've won four straight games. Speaking of winning streaks, the Lions have won two straight games. Do I have to stop making fun of both of these teams? I am uncomfortable with this situation. After starting the season 0-2 and resembling the Washington Redskins we all know and love on defense, again, Washington's reeled off four straight wins, they're doing it with the pass, and they're doing it on the ground. They're putting up over, just slightly over, but still over, a buck ten on average on the ground, so they are running the ball, and again, as I mentioned, they're a top five, just barely, but they're a top five passing offense over 275 yards per game, so they're getting it done on the offensive side of the ball. You turn over and you look at the defensive side. 
I mean, ultimately it could be worse, but not by a lot. You know what? That's not fair. The secondary's been fine. They're right, right, literally smack dab middle of the pack in terms of pass yards allowed at 242. That run offense is not good. And I would be worried about that against a team that has shown a consistent ability to run the ball. I don't think Detroit is that team. And the numbers tend to agree with me on that, only averaging 88.7 yards per game on the ground so far this season. Now look, for the Lions, that's translated to a lot of points. They're inside the top 12 in terms of scoring this year, averaging exactly 25 points per game. But I don't think that's going to work out for them this week. I mean, look, the Redskins have been undeniably hot, and they've been getting it done on both sides of the football. Heaven help me. I'm picking the Washington Redskins to win a football game. I may have to quit making picks after this one. I like the Redskins to win this game in Detroit. I'm going to take Washington straight up. On the line, Washington is a one-point underdog on the road. I'm going to tell you to take that. It's essentially a pick Washington plus one on the line. The total in this game is 48.5 points. I think you should go over on that because, I mean, the Redskins' offense clearly has been good. Detroit's offense can be good. We know how bad Washington's defense can be. They How bad they can be. I'm just repeating that for emphasis. So 48.5 points, you know what? It's under 50, and when it's two good offenses, teams that are predicated on their offense... I'll tend to go over on that. So, I like Washington to beat Detroit straight up. Washington plus one on the line, over 48.5 points. After Indianapolis saw it slip away last week, it gets no easier as they travel to Tennessee to take on the Titans. And I think the story of this game, uh, unlike the last uh, or the first game that we talked about, I think the story of this game is going to be told on the ground where the Tennessee Titans are basically God. Well, sorry, I guess I should say one of three gods. Now look, Tennessee's ability to run the ball has not generated a ton of points. They're still only averaging exactly 20 points per game, whereas any of the comparable teams in terms of what they've been able to do on the ground are averaging 27, 26, 25, a San Francisco at just above them at 21. But this is one of those teams that can pound you into the dirt when it comes to running the football. And Indianapolis, they got they got problems. They got problems with that. Indianapolis just giving up bucketfuls and bucketfuls and bucketfuls of yards on defense, both on the ground and through the air. Marcus Mariota has had two straight very good games, and I like his chances to have a third. Picking football games is all about exploiting the matchups. I like a matchup here, and I'm going to exploit it. I like the Tennessee Titans in the quote-unquote upset at home to beat the Colts. Now, on the line, Tennessee actually a favorite here by two and a half points. That surprises me. I understand how bad Indianapolis's defense has been so far this year. I get it, but that's still Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts, so I am kind of surprised that Tennessee's the betting favorite, but I'll take that for sure. It's only two and a half points. Tennessee minus two and a half on the line. Total in this game is 47 and a half. I think Tennessee's going to score a whole big bunch of points. Uh, Indianapolis is going to get their points as well. So 47 and a half. It's probably a risky play, but I'm going to tell you to go over on it. So Tennessee beats Indianapolis straight up. Tennessee minus two and a half on the line over 47 and a half points. 
Let's go to Kansas City now where the Chiefs finally put it all together last week to get back on the winning side of things. And they are going to be facing a New Orleans Saints squad coming to town who has their offense cooking and doing some real good things. They've got their first two wins of the season back to back. I'm not entirely convinced that Drew Brees is not a robot because every single year, year after year after year, when it's all said and done, the New Orleans Saints are up there towards the top of the league in terms of their pass yardage. Luckily for the Chiefs, however, aside from the fact that they're playing at home, that plays right into their strength as a defense. Kansas City has given up a buck 16 over a buck 16 on average on the ground this year, but they're not really going to have to worry too much about that, I don't think. It plays right into their strength as a defense, which is their secondary, giving up just over 235 yards per game through the air are the Chiefs. So that does play into the strength of their secondary. Now look, that defense has not exactly been great this year, but when you only really have to focus on, like really focus on one specific element of defense based on the team and based on the offensive scheme that you're playing, definitely makes things easier. Now, the Chiefs may be without both Marcus Peters and Philip Gaines for this game against New Orleans, and that makes somebody a little hot under the collar, especially if you're a Chiefs fan. The Chiefs also, just about an hour ago, traded Niall Davis to the Green Bay Packers for a conditional late-round draft pick. We all know about how depleted the Packers' backfield is. Eddie Lacy basically looking like a World War II veteran trying to run the ball back there. But, hey, it worked out for the most part except they didn't win the game. But, so they've acquired Niall Davis from Kansas City. That will help the Packers for sure. It does, I guess, quote-unquote, weaken the Chiefs' backfield, even though you're talking about you're weakening a backfield with Jamal Charles and Spencer Ware. So, you know... Alex Smith got to remember last week what it was like to hit a very high percentage of his passes, be that game-managing quarterback, looking on the other side against a guy who has led some miraculous comebacks. This is this being Derek Carr in Oakland from their game last week. So he kind of got a bit of a preview of what he's going to get this week. Now, obviously, I'm not saying Derek Carr is as good as Drew Brees, but in a couple of years, who knows? I think taking either team in this game is a huge risk. If you're playing with the confidence point system like I do, do not allocate a lot of points to this game because this is is a coin flip. It could go either way. I don't like the Saints' ability to be able to stop that two-headed monster at running back. They both scored touchdowns last year for or last year, last week for Kansas City. I like the Chiefs in this one. I think they're going to pound the Saints into the ground in terms of that run game. It's going to open things up for Alex Smith. He probably doesn't hit 300 yards because Alex Smith typically doesn't, but I think it'll be enough for them to win. I like the Chiefs at home to beat the Saints. Again, very tough building in Kansas City as well for an opposing team to win in. So I like Kansas City, but I don't like them by a touchdown. That's what they're currently favored by on the spread. I like New Orleans plus seven there because it is a coin flip game and I could see the Saints coming up and just kind of a sneaky kind of backdoor cover, kind of like the Browns did last week. That I think has a very good probability of happening. I mean, the Saints could win this game outright. So I like the Saints plus seven on the line for sure, but I like Kansas City straight up. Total in this game is 50 points. I'm going to tell you to go over on it. I think Kansas City is going to put up their points. The Saints usually always put up their points. It's 50. It's a lot, but I'm still going to tell you to go over on it. I like the Chiefs straight up, but I like New Orleans to cover the seven points 
on the spread. All right, next couple of games, we're going to speed this up a little bit. The Miami Dolphins playing host to the Buffalo Bills, all AFC East matchup. I don't have a ton to say about this. Yeah, Miami won last week, but don't get it twisted. They won that game because Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. Let's be perfectly honest there. That is exactly why Miami won that game. Now, look, they put up a lot of points. The, the Steelers' defense does tend to struggle at times, and we're going to get into that when we talk about their game a little bit later. So, yeah, it looked good. They got the win last week, but don't get it twisted. This is not a good football team. On the other side, there is a good football team, that team being the Buffalo Bills. Bills have reeled off four straight wins. They've won two road games already this season. Their offense is humming. Their defense is humming. They're looking really, really strong here. Now, look, they are only one and two inside the AFC. This is an AFC matchup. But the Dolphins also have a losing record inside the conference. They also have a losing record inside the division, having lost their only division game so far this year. Take the Bills in this one in a runaway. Bills on the road beat the Dolphins. Buffalo favored by two and a half points on the line. Thank you very much, Las Vegas. We will take that one for sure. Buffalo minus two and a half. Total in this game is 44 points. I'm going to stay under because I don't think Miami's going to score a lot of points. I think Buffalo's going to score a whole big bunch, as Steve Dangle would say. But I don't think Miami is going to get a ton against that Bills defense. So, under 44 points. We like Buffalo minus two and a half and Buffalo to win straight up. Kind of the same thing with our next game. We have the Baltimore Ravens traveling to New York to take on the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 that got C-L-O-B-B-E-R-E-D clobbered on Monday Night Football. The Arizona Cardinals beat the green off the New York Jets last night. It was not competitive. It was not close. The Jets can do some things on defense, but my God, that offense. And it finally came to a head last night. Fitzpatrick was benched. Geno Smith came in and proceeded pretty well almost immediately to throw an interception to Tyron Matthew. Well, you know, let me tell you something. The Baltimore Ravens are kind of good at defense. Kind of good at defense to the tune of the best statistical run defense in football. And why don't we just give them a top 10 secondary too? So, uh, hey, that'll be fun for the Jets, probably starting Geno Smith. Enjoy! Ravens, um, Baltimore wins this game straight up. Uh, Baltimore, it's actually a pick em right now, which that I can't understand. But we'll take Baltimore's side of that line all day and all night. Thank you very much again, Las Vegas. Total in this game is 42.5 points. I'm going to say go over on it. The Jets' secondary has been painful this season. So I think Joe Flacco is going to be able to throw all over this Jets' secondary. So I like over 42.5 points. Baltimore in an inexplicable pick em, And the Ravens to win the game straight up. Now let's look at what's probably going to be my favorite game to watch this weekend. And I hope to God I get the chance to watch it. The Philadelphia Eagles playing host to the Minnesota Vikings. You've got the Eagles who started the season looking dynamite, looking unbeatable on defense. And they've kind of fallen off since then. What is it? Is it two straight losses? Is it three straight losses? That would be two straight losses for the Eagles. They currently sit at three and two. Then you turn around. You got the Minnesota Vikings. They've only given up 63 points all season in five games. That defense, unbelievable. The offense, going strong they're looking fine it's going to be a defensive battle and i can't wait for this game i'm so excited to see it 
Like Seattle, the Minnesota Vikings defense is predicated and built on stopping the run. They're giving up less than 78 yards on the ground per game so far this season. But that secondary is also pretty good, giving up under 210. So one person that I'm not excited for in this game is Carson Wentz. Wentz has failed to hit 250 yards in his last two starts, both losses, failed to hit 200 last week and only threw for a 50% clip against the Redskins defense in that 27-20 loss. Now look, he's still only thrown one interception on the year, his QB rating is just hovering right around 100. This is a good quarterback. Don't get, don't get me wrong, this is a good quarterback. I'm interested to see what he does against the Vikings. In general, I would call it a mistake to think that the Eagles are going to lose the third straight game based on the way they started the season, but I think the Eagles are going to lose a third straight game even based on how they started this season. I like the Vikings to stay undefeated here and go to 6-0. and I think they're going to be able to get enough offensively. Like, look, this is a game that could legitimately be 10-6 heading into the fourth quarter. I think this is going to be a coin flip. It's going to be anybody's game. And those are the games that I love to watch. Those defensive struggles where it really becomes a chess game, becomes all about strategy, and one big play can make the difference. It may not be good for uh, Sean Ryan and uh, Gio DeFranco's collective hearts, but they're the kind of games that I love to watch. I'm going to take the Vikings to go to 6-0. and to beat the Eagles. On the line, Minnesota only favored by two and a half points. I'm going to say take those two and a half points. Minnesota minus two and a half. Total in this game is 40. I'm going to tell you to go under it because it's two extremely good defenses. And like I said, this could very easily be a 10-6 game heading into the start of the fourth quarter. So I'm going to tell you to stay under a very low number, the lowest of the week. In fact, I believe stay under 40 points, but go Minnesota minus two and a half and the Vikings to win the game straight up. Let's go to Florida now where the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to play host to the Oakland Raiders. And this is one of those games that in seasons past, you'd be like, oh, game canceled due to lack of interest. I really shouldn't make fun of that joke as I've already used it this season. But this is a game I'm pretty interested in seeing. The Jags, they've reeled off two straight wins. They're still somehow competitive in this division because the Texans aren't willing to jump out and really grab the division by the throat. Uh, The defense for Jacksonville, uh, look, there's a lot worse defenses in the NFL. Hell, there's a worse defense in their own division. The offense, you know what? Hasn't been good. Take a look at the Oakland Raiders. Their offense has been good. 152 points in six games. They're co-leading this division at four and two. The defense hasn't been good. The major difference that I see in this game and the reason why I am taking the Oakland Raiders to win this game, even though the game is in Jacksonville, is when you look at these two teams, it's two defenses that, look, neither one of them are great. They're both giving up more points than they're scoring. The difference in this game and the difference between these two teams and what I ultimately think will be the difference in the game is one team has an offense that is both capable and used to coming back in football games and that's the Oakland Raiders if either one of these teams gets behind in their football game there's only one of them that I actually trust to be able to start and mount a comeback based on their offense that's the Oakland Raiders I don't trust the Jags offense right now to be able to do that they've only put up 100 points in five games I'm sorry sorry 101 but so they've only put up 101 points in five games Oakland's put up 152 in six. I trust their offense to be able to get out there and any drive could be a touchdown. Jacksonville, they're struggling. 
They're struggling to get those touchdowns. I understand that Oakland is not struggling to get those touchdowns. So, I like the Oakland Raiders in this game. Even if Jacksonville gets out to an early lead at home, I like the Raiders and their uh, ability to come back in that game. So, I like the Raiders to beat the Jags. Oakland, uh, point and a half dog on the road. I'm going to tell you to take that. Oakland, plus a point and a half at Jacksonville. Total in this game is 48 and a half points. I think I will stick with the under on this one. And again, I just don't, I just plain don't trust Jacksonville's offense to be able to put up a big number of points. I'm, I'm, mm, you know what? I'm calling an audible on that. I'm literally making changes while I'm recording the episode. That's how quote unquote prepared that I am every week to do this, which is why I say everybody should do this. I'm actually going to change that on the fly. I'm going to tell you to go over 48 and a half points. The defenses, they both struggled this year. If Jacksonville puts up anything close to their season average of 20 points, this thing will probably go over. So over 48 and a half points, we got Oakland plus a point and a half and Oakland wins the game straight up. Now to a game that is likely to be canceled due to lack of interest. See, I, I, I got to keep using the joke. The San Francisco 49ers playing host to the Tampa Bay Bucks. And San Francisco finally, last week, did what they should have done a little bit earlier in the season and got Colin Kaepernick back in there at quarterback. Actually, you know, this would be kind of interesting. Why not start him at, like, wide receiver? Seems like he's pretty fast. Or running back, for that matter. Do a whole Terrell Pryor kind of thing with him. Anyways, anyways. It doesn't matter. He's the starting quarterback now. And you know what? Not really many complaints off of Kaepernick's first game. Sure, he was under 50% in his passing. He was only 13 out of 29. Well, he hasn't played all season. He put up 187 yards. That's not great. He hasn't played all season. Look, he threw a touchdown. He didn't throw an interception. He managed the game. Look, they lost. They got blown out. It wasn't a good game. But, hey, his QBR, higher than Blaine Gabbert's. And he was able to run the ball to eight carries, 66 yards. In terms of yards per attempt, he's the best running back on this football team. I like it. Thumbs up this week to Kaepernick. And you can't ask for a better matchup if you're Colin Kaepernick than the Tampa Bay Bucks. Holy crap, that defense sucks. You've heard of the phrase, the bout to knock the other guy out? That's what this game is going to be between Colin Kaepernick and Jameis Winston, between the San Francisco 49ers and the Tampa Bay Bucks. This is going to be a game where both teams, I think, are just going to go down the field and score, and then the other team is going to come down the field and score, and we're just going to see who has enough time. And you may be asking yourself, but Justin, Tampa Bay is top 10 in terms of total defense so far this season. Yeah, but look at the points they're giving up. 28 points over 28 points per game that is comparable with new orleans and carolina and how bad they've played so far this year comparable with the jets comparable with hey their opponents this week san francisco but one thing that san francisco's been able to do this year they've been able to stop the pass one or two opportunistic plays that's all it takes and i like the niners this week Call me stupid, call me crazy, but don't call me late for dinner. I like San Francisco to beat Tampa Bay this week in San Francisco. That's how I'm going to go. Right now, San Francisco two-point dog at home. I'm taking that. San Francisco plus two. Total in this game is 47 points. I'm going to tell you to go over because, like I say, I think this is a game where both teams are just going to come down and score and then try like hell to stop the other team from doing the same thing. I expect a big game out of Mike Evans. 
But I think San Francisco is going to win this game. So San Francisco straight up, San Francisco plus two on the line, over 47 points. Remember how I said we were going to talk about the Ben Roethlisberger injury? Well, let's talk about the Ben Roethlisberger injury very briefly. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger is injured and the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to lose to New England this week. Look, I like Landry Jones. I really do. As a matter of fact, Landry Jones was part of that Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III draft class. I wrote an article uh, right around that time where I talked about why the Indianapolis Colts should have traded that pick, traded down in the draft with, I believe, the Bucks or somebody. I can't remember. Maybe it was the Bucks. Maybe it wasn't. But trading. No, it was Washington, I think. No, it couldn't have been Washington. Anyways, to trade down in that draft to draft Landry Jones. That's how high I was on Landry Jones as he was coming into the NFL. Since he's been in the NFL, I mean, we have nothing on him, obviously. We have just almost virtually nothing on film of Landry Jones. Landry Jones is a huge hit to every Pittsburgh skill player except the running backs, and even Le'Veon Bell because he's so good at catching passes. Meanwhile, nothing wrong with New England's offense. Tom Brady's back in there. Rob Gronkowski looks like Rob Gronkowski again, and I think it's going to be a long day for Pittsburgh. Because there's times when Pittsburgh's defense just looks lost out there. And I think Tom Brady's probably going to be able to do that to them this week. I like New England on the road to beat Pittsburgh in a big bad way. It's not even that long of a distance for Patriots fans from like Massachusetts and Maine and Vermont and that area to come down to Pennsylvania for the game. And I think by the beginning of the fourth quarter, there's pretty well only going to be Patriots fans left in the stands. So, New England beats Pittsburgh straight up. New England's favored by a touchdown on the road. I'm going to say take that. New England minus seven. Do it up. Get that money. 45 and a half points is the total. I'm going to tell you to go over on it. Because Pittsburgh, I mean, they can score points. New England's defense is good, but not amazing so there are going to be points there i just think new england's going to score a lot so 45 and a half points it's not too many for me i'm going to tell you to go over new england minus seven and new england wins the game straight up and the last game we're going to talk about before we get into the platinum gold silver and bronze picks this week are the arizona cardinals playing host to the seattle seahawks and all nfc west matchup in a matchup that should be touted as you know Carson Palmer versus Russell Wilson and that great Arizona defense against that great Seattle defense there's one defense in this game that's great it's the Seattle Seahawks and look I know what you're thinking Arizona looked fantastic last week and you're absolutely right but it was against the Jets the Seahawks are not the Jets it was good that the Cardinals got Carson Palmer back last week uh or last night I suppose I should say he looked all right He didn't look great. I thought he was still forcing some throws. And I think if he was playing against a better secondary, a couple of them probably would have been taken the other way. So he is playing a better secondary uh, coming up against Seattle. And I think that's probably the way that it's going to go. So I like the Seahawks on the road in a division matchup to beat Arizona in Arizona. Right now, Seattle, a one-point dog on the line. Really? Okay. Thanks, Vegas. Seattle plus one. Take that until that before that line gets to about Seattle minus two or two and a half or three, because that's likely where it's going to end up by game time. So take it, Seattle plus one. 
43 and a half is the total for this game. I'm going to tell you to stay under on that one just because, I mean, look, Arizona can play defense. I shouldn't talk about Arizona like they're, I don't know, the Saints. Actually, you know what? Saints are a bad example. Eh, let's go Oakland. But I think Russell Wilson's going to go out there, have himself a game. I think Christine Michael's going to go out there, have himself a game. And Seattle's going to win this thing. So, Seattle straight up. Seattle plus one, under 43 and a half points. All right, folks, let's do it. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week seven in the NFL. We're going to get started with the bronze pick, where I am three and three straight up, two, three, and one against the spread, and three and three over under. My bronze pick sees the San Diego Chargers traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Now, Chargers, full marks last week. Chargers won the game. They held on. Didn't look like they were going to for a little bit, but they held on and they won. And that was a big win for them, not only because it was Denver, not only because it was a division rival, but just because they needed to do it. Just for the psyche of the team, they needed to have a lead and hold on to it and win the football game. Now do it against one of the best offenses in football. In fact, I think statistically it is the best. Both of these teams tend to give up the touchdowns and give up the points. I just really skew towards Atlanta's offense in this one. San Diego has lost their only matchup against an NFC opponent this year, whereas Atlanta thus far is 2-0 against the AFC. I like the Falcons in this one, especially where it's in their den. I'd love to see San Diego cross the country and see what they can do against a team that is basically just like them, but I would say offensively better. Defensively, they're pretty comparable. Maybe San Diego's a little bit better on the defensive side of the football, but basically a team that's just like them. So I like Atlanta to beat San Diego straight up in Atlanta. That's the straight up bronze pick. On the line, Atlanta is favored by six and a half points at home. It's under a touchdown. I'm going to tell you to take it because San Diego, again, they have a propensity to stop playing defense in the fourth quarter. So I think Atlanta's got a great opportunity there late in the game with that two-headed monster running back. I think Atlanta's going to be able to do some things here. So I'm going to, I like Atlanta minus six and a half. Total in this game is 53. You could make the total in this game 60. I'm going to tell you to go over on it. Two really good offenses. Two defenses that have problems stopping the other team from putting up points. So 53, it's not too many. Go over. So Atlanta beats San Diego in Atlanta. I like Atlanta minus 6.5 on the line. Over 53 points. That's the bronze pick. My silver pick, where I am 5-1 straight up, 5-1 against the spread, and 4-2 and over under, sees the Houston Texans travel to Denver to take on the Broncos. Here's how I feel about this. I believe in my video last week I said the Broncos don't lose two straight games. Well, they've lost two straight games. They really don't lose three straight games. And for anyone that feels that there may be question marks around the Denver Broncos passing attack, may I introduce you to Brock Osweiler. Despite leading the comeback last week, for the Texans, Osweiler, not really good this season, especially when he's trying to throw to his best target, DeAndre Hopkins. He has thrown a half dozen interceptions on passes only intended for DeAndre Hopkins. That's not good. And it's basically the worst possible spot for you to be in against the Broncos secondary that is so good and so opportunistic and they love those turnovers. I think this is Denver's game all day. So I like the Broncos in a big bad way 
to beat the Texans. I think if they can stuff eight in the box and stop Lamar Miller from doing anything close to what he did last week, I think this should be not a cakewalk for Denver, but I think Denver should win this game very comfortably. So I like the Broncos at home. They're favored by seven points on the line. I'm going to tell you to go with that. I'm going to tell you to go Denver minus seven. Houston's defense is good. They're not great, but they're good. And Denver can definitely put up points. So I like Denver minus seven. Total in this game is 41 points. I'm going to tell you to go over on it. I think Denver's going to be able to do some good things. I think Houston's going to be able to do some things. Lamar Miller is still Lamar Miller. And 41, it's a very low number. So I'm kind of rolling the dice on it a little bit, I guess. But I'm going to tell you to go over 41 points. Denver minus seven. Denver wins the game straight up. That is the silver pick. My gold pick, which is my only remaining undefeated pick so far this season, 6-0 straight up. I'm 4-2 against the spread and 4-2 over under. Sees the Cincinnati Bengals play host to the Cleveland Browns. And goddammit, Tim Brashier, your Bengals had one job last week. Oh, that's right. I'm picking on Tim Brashier again. Your Bengals had one job last week, which was to cover eight points. And look how good that was looking at halftime. They were only down 10-7. I was like, this is money in the bank. In the second half, the Bengals got outscored 25-10. One job, Tim. One job. Once again this week, your Bengals have one job. One job. That is to beat the brown off the Cleveland Browns. Or the orange, or whichever color you choose. Then again, you're also orange. This is getting confusing. Cincinnati beats Cleveland. And if this is not a layup, money in the bank, easy win for your team, you might as well tank. You might as well tank. Get that good draft pick and just get the hell off my TV screen. Cincinnati beats Cleveland straight up. On the line, Cincinnati's favored by 10 points. I'm sorry. The Bengals have not given me any reason to think that they deserve to be a 10-point favorite against anybody even Cleveland. Cleveland pulled off the backdoor cover last week. I think they're going to do it again this week. So I like Cleveland plus 10 on the line there against Cincinnati. Total in that game is 45 and a half points. I'm going to tell you to stay under it because even though Cleveland's defense is, you know, pretty hella bad and Cincinnati's defense really has been nothing to write home about so far this year. You know, I don't think Cleveland scores a ton of points. I don't think either of these teams, to be perfectly honest, score a ton of points in this game. So 45 and a half, it's too many for me. I'm going to tell you to stay under. I like Cleveland plus 10, but Cincinnati wins the game and they better. And the platinum pick where I am 5 and 1 straight up, 2, 3, and 1 against the spread, and 2 and 4 over under. The platinum pick is struggling on those betting picks. The Green Bay Packers playing host to the Chicago Bears. And if there's any remedy for the Packers and their woes on offense, it should be the Chicago Bears. If it weren't for the Lions, the Bears would have the worst statistical defense in the Uh, NFC North in that division. I was about to say the whole NFC, but that would have been a lie. The Bears have lost two straight games. They're one and five so far this year. They've only scored 11 touchdowns on the season. They've also yet to win a game on the road this year. This should be a feast for Aaron Rodgers. This should be a 400-yard game for Aaron Rodgers. And if it's not, they really need to sit down with him and say, look, 
what the hell is wrong? Is it an injury? Is it just, is it all mental? Like, do we need to get you a therapist? Like, what's going on here? Because Green Bay should destroy the Bears this week. Obviously, I like Green Bay to win this game. On the line, Green Bay's favored by nine points. And typically, I would take this, but Green Bay's offense, I don't have that faith in them anymore. I say they should destroy Chicago. I'm not saying they will destroy Chicago. I have to take Chicago plus nine on the line. It's the smart thing to do because Green Bay has not earned that New England right or that Denver right, depending on the matchup, to be a favorite that heavy and actually take them. So if they do it, if they do it this week and they beat Chicago by 30 points, well, then maybe I can give them that credit back. But as for what they've done so far in the season, can't give them that credit. So I like Chicago plus nine. Total for this game is 46 and a half points. I'm going to tell you to stay under because I don't think Chicago is going to put up a lot and I don't know what Green Bay is going to put up. So I have to say under 46 and a half points. But I like Chicago plus nine and Green Bay definitely to win the game straight up. That is the platinum pick. No comments from SoundCloud, so we're back to YouTube for the comment of the week from the week six video. And our comment of the week from week six comes from Matt, the NFL fanatic, my my opponent last week in fantasy. Nothing but love there, obviously. Matt's comment, good luck, Justin, for fantasy. If you lose, you just made the list. And that's a reference, of course, to Chris Jericho's list in WWE. Jericho just on fire with his creative lately. Overall for picks, disagree straight up with Carolina. New York Giants have no faith in my team right now. The team that makes the most mistakes will lose. His team, of course, being Baltimore. Oakland, I don't think Casey's offense can put up the points that every other offense has been able to, though I expect Jamal Charles to have a monster game. He did find the end zone. Houston, don't trust them in five, in prime time. 1-5, in 0-2 oh under O'Brien against Indianapolis. Well, Indianapolis damn near did it to them again, of course. Houston coming back to win that game in overtime. Against the spread, disagree with Cleveland plus 7. Jets plus 7.5. And and yeah, that definitely didn't work out. Oakland minus a point and a half. And the Giants minus 3. Good luck this week, JR, with your picks. And may the best prog win for fantasy. Well, I like to think the best prog did. No, that's a joke. I'm, that's that, just a joke, Matt. Um, Matt is an excellent prog. Check out his channel if you have not yet. That is the comment of the week from the week 6 video. All right, folks, that's going to do it for week seven in the NFL. Going to get you out of here on my CFL picks for week 18 in the CFL season. CFL season, of course, a little bit longer than the NFL season. Got to get some more games in there, teams with some multiple bye weeks, because there's only, what, I think nine teams in the league or something like that. So week 18 in the CFL, I've got Ottawa at home beating Hamilton. I suppose I should say I was two and two last week. Only 13 and 15 picking these games straight up on the season. Let's get back to it. Ottawa at home. I think they beat Hamilton. Toronto on the road. Going to spoil Calgary's shot at the best record of all time in the CFL. I think Toronto plays spoiler. Beats them in Calgary. Montreal on the road. I have them beating Saskatchewan. And BC at home. I have them beating Edmonton. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Apologies if this episode ran a little bit long. Week 7 is in the books and I hope you enjoy it. We'll see you again for week number 8.
Thank you.